The hunt for therapies for autism spectrum disorders can be intense, and the path from discovery to treatment can take about 17 years. That's painful to think about. All of the time in between an amazing discovery and when it actually reaches people with autism seems outrageous. However, as a scientist, I get it. They aren't trying to stall. They're not lazy or incompetent. This is just how long it takes. For a drug to move into clinical trials, multiple studies need to show that it's a viable candidate, and then they have to show it's safe in people, and then the company needs to do multiple large-scale clinical trials to show that it really works. That last part is tricky. These large clinical trials are expensive, they're highly regulated for a reason, and they take a really long time. If your child were in a clinical trial, wouldn't you want to make sure that they were doing everything they could to make it was safe and the study was designed appropriately as to not waste everyone's time? But also I get it. As a parent, I say, enough already. I wanted this yesterday. Okay, I digress. The point here is that many times the drug development process goes in one direction. First, you discover the target and then go forward from there and study it in people. But a recent study actually validates a treatment target that's already being studied experimentally in people with neurodevelopmental disorders. The target is called IGF-1. IGF is what is known as a neurotrophin. This belongs to a family of neurotrophic factors. Neurotrophic factors are almost always proteins, and they support the growth, survival, and differentiation of both developing and mature neurons. They can act in different ways, and I'm not going to bore you with them, but in the case of IGF, they activate pathways in the cell critical for cell survival, turning genes on and off, and remodeling the outside of the neuron so it can develop more or fewer synaptic connections. This is pretty cool, right? Neurotrophic factors are critical for the proper development of the central nervous system and play important roles in neuronal growth, survival, and migration, all processes involved in autism. In development, they promote the initial growth and development of neurons in the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, and they're also capable of regrowing damaged neurons in test tubes and in animal models. This part hasn't been studied in humans. Some neurotrophic factors are also released in tissues far away so they can help guide the growth of developing axons. Disruption of these important developmental processes can lead to detrimental effects on overall brain functioning and result in debilitating central nervous system disorders. IGF-1 has been studied in many different disorders and showed promise. These include Rett syndrome, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, and Phelan-McDermott syndrome. There also have been less exciting results for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, but that's okay. People with this disease desperately need treatments, and they also need to know what doesn't work. Right now, I want to say that I did not do all of this research myself. Jesse Costales and Dr. Alex Kolovzon from Mount Sinai School of Medicine published a great review. So thank you to both of them for doing all the heavy lifting. Of interest is the encouraging results in Rett syndrome and Phelan-McDermott syndrome. In the case of Rett syndrome, in which many of the girls show symptoms of autism, the study with IGF was looking at cardiovascular changes. Girls with Rett syndrome show respiratory and heart problems, and treatments for this are very, very much needed. But in the Phelan-McDermott syndrome study, the endpoint was behavior, specifically the aberrant behavioral checklist, which is also used in many autism treatment trials. About 80% of people with Phelan-McDermott also have an autism diagnosis. This suggests that IGF may be helpful in autism. The Phelan-McDermott syndrome study was small. 
that's because there's not that many people in the world or the U.S. with this disorder. It's kind of a rare genetic disorder. But the results have encouraged Dr. Kolozan group at Mount Sinai to look at IGF-1 in people with autism and not the specific genetic mutation involved in Phelan McDermott to help understand the potential. So clinical studies are already on their way. So imagine my delight when I read a study that looked at neural stem cells in people with autism spectrum disorders and specifically used IGF-1. The study was led at the Salk Institute in La Jolla, California, but included an array of neurobiologists and geneticists from all over California. They recruited individuals to donate skin cells, which scientists can then actually treat with all sorts of different chemicals and turn them into brain cells. I'm not kidding. This is the same technology that's being used to help paralyze people walk. And let me assure you that the methods used to do this did not just happen overnight. This itself took many, many, many years. They also needed a way to subgroup people. Instead of saying, okay, everybody with autism is in this study, they specifically looked at people with a large head size, which is called macrocephaly. I've talked about macrocephaly on a previous podcast, and while not everyone with autism has this, some people do, and we can learn a lot about different characteristics of people with autism if we study each group separately. So people with macrocephaly and autism came in, gave a sample of skin, and the scientists turned those into brain cells. In the paper, there is, and I'm not kidding you, three full pages in a tiny, tiny font dedicated to the methods around this. Essentially, they looked at how the neurons behaved in culture when stimulated and what genes they expressed. They also looked at how these cells turned over to generate new neurons, as there is a hypothesis that people with big heads have too many neurons and the researchers needed to study this process. They found that the autism neurons in a dish compared to the neurons from people without autism formed fewer connections with other neurons and they also weren't synchronized. They didn't fire like they should to get messages from one to another. There were also fewer numbers of neurons which produced a chemical called GABA, and I'll get into this, but it was reversed when treated with IGF-1. Also, the way neurons behaved became more like non-affected control neurons. Not totally, but partially. So there's reason to be excited. IGF is effective in treating some autism symptoms in people with a disorder called phelan McDermott syndrome. In neural stem cells, IGF partially reverses the autism-related changes in functions and activity in neurons. So it partially validates the role of the IGF receptor as a target treatment for autism. Not to burst your bubble here with the stem cell finding, but realistically, these cells are not the same as brain tissue. They are skin cells that have been turned into neural tissue. They are not a substitute for brain tissue. We just don't have enough brain tissue because there isn't enough brain tissue to study. Scientists desperately need this to study. So please, please, please go to www.takesbrains.org for more information about how you can register and sign up and learn more about this important resource. Incidentally, the GABA finding is coincident with human brain tissue, which is even more reason why we need a follow-up. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next week.